conclude the simplest little statement. This is kindergarten stuff. Why am I preaching this to mature Christians and friends that know the book and know the Lord so well? But it answers the question. We might wonder, where did this hate come from? Why this hostility to the Son of God? He came unto his own, his own received him not. It was true in A.D. A.D. 0 when Christ was born. It wasn't long till Herod was out to destroy him. And all of his life our Lord seems to be under the threat of death, hostility, and opposition. So where did this hatred come from? Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Today we're looking at Proverbs chapter 8, and the topic is soul suicide. We live in a culture of death. We live where the ungodly plan their own deaths, take their own lives, and head out into eternity without a thought of God. Surely the enemy of souls is behind it all. We have today a beautiful hymn on Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. But uh, firstly, we want to introduce the program today with the hymn, He Giveth More Grace. And I trust that you will know much of God's grace in your heart and in your life today. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. Who added affliction, he addeth his mercy. Who multiplied trials, his multiplied His love has no limit, His grace has no measure, His power has no boundary known unto man. For out of His infinite riches in Jesus, and giveth, and giveth again. exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength is failed 
Ere the day is half gone When we reach the end of our hoarded resources Our Father's forgiving is only begun His love has no limit His grace has no measure His power has no boundary known unto man For out of his infinite Riches in Jesus He giveth And giveth And giveth The title of our message today is Soul Suicide. Its uh, text is in verse 36 of Proverbs 8. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. It's a strange thing that rebellious-minded people love death. In the dark world of sorcery, in the dark world of playing with the devil, there seems to be this fantasizing with death. I heard of a young man who went missing off the BC ferry. His backpack was found somewhere on board, but he went missing. And it's presumed that he just jumped to his death. He wanted to end his own life. You can't read the newspapers these days, but you learn of the statistics of deliberate suicides. Some do so behind the wheel of a car. Some do so by taking overdose drugs. Some are seeking doctor's assistance uh, in hospital beds, and the statistics of that seem to rise. By the way, I learned that many, many doctors in Ontario who signed up to support the whole idea of assisted death have now signed off and are unwilling to participate in it and somewhere only around 5% of those who formerly signed on are now willing to perform it. It leaves the government in a dilemma, and it leaves that you have doctors now are going to become almost specialists in that area of so-called medicine, if you can call it medicine, the use of drugs to put people to death. I want to talk to you today not about physical death, but about soul death. In the verse that we've ended with here in this uh, chapter in Proverbs 8, 
the Scripture says, or the Lord speaking says, they that hate me love death. Now, many count it strange that in religion that you would have so much hatred. And, of course, that hatred is against the Lord. It is against the church. It is against God's people. And this whole uh, notion here, uh, this very definition of sin, and that's what it is, because if you look at this verse 36, it says, But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. Now, in verse 35, uh, and you have to do a bit of a contrast in these two verses. That's how Proverbs work. Uh, you have the negative and the positive. You have the good and the bad side by side. And in the good is verse 35, whoso findeth me. Uh, and there is the seeking soul wanting the Lord. Tell me how to find him. What must I do to know him and live for him and delight in his grace? Preacher, tell me about Jesus. That is the one who is finding life. Then on the other hand, you have the one who is sinning. And sin, of course, means missing the mark. The one who doesn't want the Lord. The one who wants to go the opposite direction and find their own way. Now, we see here that it is the way of folly. The whole chapter is about wisdom. The whole chapter is about doing the thing that is right. But this is about folly. So it's missing uh, the right way. It's the way that misses God's favor. Oh, the blessing of God for those that find the Lord Jesus. And of course, that's why we want to be Christians. And that's why we want to tell the world, you need to be a Christian, because the Lord has so much in store for his people. I was wonderfully blessed this morning. I just started to read a psalm in my study, Psalm 68, and I came to a very simple little statement. It says, the Lord of salvation. That's my God. That's my Savior. I do not serve a God of the sword or destruction or fear. I mean, terror. Uh, there is that respect and reverence and the holiness of God that is required, that is good and healthy, and leads us to delight ourselves in the Lord. Our Lord is the Lord of salvation. He delivers, He saves, He keeps, and He'll never stop until He brings us home to glory. We believe in that golden chain that whom the Lord loveth, He will keep. And when he sets his love upon us, whom he did foreknow, them he also did predestinate. And whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. And so the goodness of God doesn't end until we are in glory. Why then would men seek soul suicide? to choose the way of death out of that bitterness. And so, I suppose really the subject today is how and why do people 
miss Christ? How is it they don't find him, but rather choose the way of death? Well, let's seek a few headings on that one. Hatred of Christ's name causes men to miss Christ. <laughs> I'm sorry. Preachers state the obvious. They conclude the simplest little statement. This is kindergarten stuff. Why am I preaching this to mature Christians and friends that know the book and know the Lord so well? But it answers the question. We might wonder, where did this hate come from? Why this hostility to the Son of God? He came unto his own, his own received him not. It was true in A.D. A.D. 0 when Christ was born. It wasn't long till Herod was out to destroy him. And all of his life our Lord seems to be under the threat of death, hostility, and opposition. So where did this hatred come from? Well, of course, we know that this hatred against God and against his Son and against his church, it started with Satan himself. He was cast out of heaven. He was at war with God, and he was that serpent in the garden. And the serpent stings, and the poison of the serpent ends up in the very blood of men. And when Adam and Eve were tempted by the evil one, it was tempted to reject the goodness of God. And that poison got into Adam and Eve, and through their fall, the poison of hatred against God has spread into all of the world. And so he is the accuser. He is the embitterer of souls, and this poison does its evil work. The Lord said in Genesis 3.15, as a result of that fall, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. He's speak, speaking now to the, the, the snake, to the serpent. I will put war, enmity, rebellion between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. So we have now two peoples. There is the people who follow the spirit of the world and Satan. That poison is working in them. It is bitter. It is hatred. It is universal in the children, the sons of Adam. And then there are the seed of the woman. And of course, that is Christ. And all who believe in him, they have this love for the Savior if you do not love the name of Jesus, you could never call yourself a Christian. If there is not love in your heart that you want to be in fellowship with him and enjoy his blessing, you could never call yourself a child of God. But rather, as Jesus said to those Pharisees, ye are of your father the devil. And so there are these two seeds at work and this poison in the heart of man. In Adam and Eve's offspring, immediately you have Cain, and Cain the murderer, Cain the false worshiper, 
Cain the rebellious, and how he went out from God, and he was separated from him. Then we read in Psalm 2, Why do the heathens rage, and the nations imagine a vain thing? Why do the, heath the nations rage? You think of the political capitals of this world, the leaders and the political machines of this world. They are anti-Christ. Why? The poison of bitterness and hatred is right within. And then when we come to the days of our Lord Jesus and to his ministry, we of course have Judas. Judas, by the way, who courted death, he is an absolute example of this text. He that hateth me loves death. Judas, in whose heart was the poison of betrayal and bitterness against the Savior, went out and betrayed the Lord, and thereby chose death. We see that poison of bitterness at work in the mob that gathered around Philip's gate. When Philip sought a way to wash his hands of the matter and somehow release him uh, and have Barabbas put to death instead because he deserved death, Jesus did not. But what did the, the, the gathering, the mob outside the gate do? They shouted, crucify him, crucify him. And in those bitter, rancorous words of hatred, you see the poison of Satan at work in the hearts of men. And they could not be at peace until they saw the Savior hanging on the tree. And then there is the, the thief who did not believe the thief that reeled upon the Lord and blasphemed him from the very cross. There again is the poison of enmity, the bitterness, the choosing of death rather than life. Now, this enmity, you'll find it in Genesis 3.15. You'll also find it in Romans chapter 8 and verse 7. Now, Romans 8 is an exposition of the state of man, the Jew and the Gentile, indeed all men. Uh, that's the thrust of the apostles' logic in the book of Romans, uh, that this gospel applies to all men, and this remedy is needed by all men. And he says here in Romans 8, 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. This is the spirit of the flesh in the unsaved or the unregenerate person who's never been made anew by the Savior. And here is this universal poison at work, creating bitterness, warring against God with a spirit of hatred. That's why Jesus said, ye must be born again. That's why we need new hearts. We need to be delivered from this mind, this carnal mind that it is at war. We need a new mind. And we need to be totally renewed from top to bottom. 
And it hurts to see that spirit, that enmity working in men. It hurts when we see that hostility to spiritual things. No interest. Let me out of here. I don't feel comfortable in this. This accuses me. You're judging me. Oh, how that comes so close to the quick, to the heart of so many. And they want to continue serving the poison of bitterness rather than coming to the Savior. It certainly hurts the, the heart of God the Father as he witnesses that enmity against his Son. Some of the most difficult things parents have to do is to stand back and watch their children being hurt or opposed. We just want to step in. We just want to end that. And yet God the Father gave his Son to be condemned to death. And there are those today who know we did not actually physically drive the nail into Jesus' hands at the cross. But because we know the gospel and we have the Bible and we are witnessed to by Christians regularly, every time we say no and every time we walk away and every time we oppose the message, we are, in biblical terms, walking, trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus. That hurts. That hurts. That is the one who hates me and loves death. I hope it's not true of you. I hope you are not fighting the love of God to your soul, resisting it, because then you are choosing the way of death. We want you saved. We want you enjoying the Lord. There's nothing that would delight my heart and the heart of so many in this church to hear you say, I now love the Lord Jesus. I have confessed him, and I'm willing to confess him before men and serve him all of my life. To hear you in a prayer meeting just saying, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. That would be the greatest of joy and delight. Because then we know that the, the poison has ended, the bitterness is gone, that you've been given a new heart, that you are born of the Spirit, and that you're no longer a child of darkness, but a child of the Lord, a child of God. Oh, that is a wonder. And so do not miss, do not miss Christ because of that natural hatred that is in the heart of men. Now, secondly, ignorance of Christ's glory causes men to miss him. Now, I want you to look at verse 32, back here in Romans 8 and verse 32. Now, therefore, hearken unto me. Now, Bible students always hone in on the word therefore. And we want to know what the line of reasoning is. Now, therefore, and it's because of the things that are said prior to this uh, that we are to listen. Now, therefore, and the therefore relates to the many statements and truths 
certainly from verse 22 onward. And I've drawn a red line at the side of my Bible from verse 22 to 26. And I've written in that Jesus is an eternal person. You see, Christ is in all the scriptures. There is no one that fits the bill or the description of these verses in Roman, uh, Proverbs 8, 22 to 26. Here he says, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. There is an argument, a statement, for the eternal nature of the Son. Before God did anything, Christ was there. Jesus was there. Therefore, we should listen to him. That's the argument. That's, that's why the therefore is stated in verse 32. It's because of who Jesus is, his glory, his deity, his unity with the Father, that he is co-equal. are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.